Merry Christmas to many of you. A nice warm Michigan Christmas this year. <laughs> you can open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Rejoice, the Lord is King. That is the theme of Philippians. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the human nature in, in terms of great events. Uh, you have anticipation, climax, anticlimax, then depression. And that is the nature of all holidays and seasons, such as this year. You may have experienced that yourself. You have the anticipation of the event to come, which is Christmas. The climax of that, Christmas Day yesterday, and all the good things that comes with that. The, the presents underneath the tree in the morning, and uh, the prepared lunches and breakfasts and dinners, anticipation of family and friends. Then the anticlimax, the day after Christmas, and all the toys are spent, and uh, the, you didn't receive what you wanted, and, and uh, perhaps uh, your uncles and aunts are lingering a little too long. Um, <laughs> And, and then you have the depression set in after that of, of, of failed hopes and failed expectations. And then generally, we shift focus immediately to the next event, which is New Year's. And we set our goals and New Year's resolutions and such. And, and that is how we uh, handle that. But the Christian narrative and the, the Christian calendar intends us to stay and focus for a while. It's, the Christmas narrative is not just that to... To that Jesus they come as a baby and, and, and stays there and we move on to the New Year's celebration, but we are to carry the journey with us through the Easter narrative, which will be the next great event on the Christian calendar. And we are to reflect and ponder the birth and then his life and then his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And this is the purpose. We are to take this Christmas season with us and continue to reflect upon his life as we progress from here on. So Christmas is not over uh, for us as Christians. It continues as the life of Jesus himself uh, walked to this earth in his life, and he continued to minister, and so he continues to minister to us during this uh, season. But nonetheless... Uh, we have to consider the next available uh, holiday or the next available event, and that is the New Year's uh, resolutions that will come. And we'll look a little bit about that, what we can plan for the upcoming year this morning as we conclude um, this season for us of yesterday. So let us read from God's Word. We read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30. And this is uh, the Word of God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go on with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you, you heard that he was ill. 
Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let us pray. Father, grant us now, through the instruction of these two men, these two lives, um, instruction to our lives as we persevere in the upcoming race that we endure. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll ask you the question, since now we, and the, the habit of human beings, we shift focus to the next big event, and that's uh, the new year of 2022. Uh, what will be your resolutions? I know that this week will be spent in planning the upcoming year for many people and thinking about what it is that they shall achieve and hope to accomplish in the upcoming year um, and saying goodbye to the old year. But what is it that you have in mind to plan? What is your resolution? And I would encourage that just from one thing, I want to give you one task for 2022, and that is to pick up a good biography and commit yourself to reading a good Christian biography in 2022. Now, the reason why is because good Christian biographies have the potential of enriching our own spiritual lives. We learn their habits of godly men and women. We learn of their lives. We learn of their flaws. But we also learn to persevere in our own faith with greater vigor by reading good biographies. And so the reason I mention this is because that is what Paul is going to do here in a very short snippet. He's going to give you two biographies of two men that we can look at. And we can learn some things from these men, um, Paul's co-workers, and we can learn a great deal about their character and what they were like and how we can apply that to faithful church membership as we approach the new year. So we'll glean two things from Paul's description of them to motivate us and our commitment to the local church before we conclude with a third point on the secret to enduring Christian commitment. Once again, we'll follow this passage in an argument and it will present to you the first point will be those who serve the interests of Christ selflessly, those who serve the interests of Christ selflessly, deserve honor for, the, for their self-sacrifice, deserve honor for their self-sacrifice, and thirdly, because they model what enduring faith looks like. They model what enduring faith looks like. Let's take a look at the first of these points. Those who serve the interests of Christ selflessly. Verses 19 to 24. Now Paul had urged the church in chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, to serve one another selflessly, and now he will turn to an example of selfless service in his companion, Timothy. I want you to listen of how Paul speaks of Timothy in this passage. Listen to these words. I have no one like him. No one like him, for they all seek their own interests, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Now, we can only value these comments when we contrast them against Paul's many discouragements with his co-workers. 
In 1 Timothy 1 verse 18 to 20, Paul writes to Timothy, Some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hermeneus and Alexander, of whom I handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, writes in 1 verse 15, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figulus and Hermogenes. Lovely names, aren't they? And then later in the letter, Do your best to come to me soon, for Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So when we contrast Timothy with these many discouragements and other co-workers of Paul, we get great encouragement, and we see why Paul was so encouraged by Timothy. And the reason was, Timothy was dependable. Listen to how Paul describes Timothy in contrast to the others of verses 22-22. Listen to this. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. The word translated proven worth can also be translated as character. As it is in Romans 5 verse 4 where Paul writes, Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. In other words, hope does not fade. Hope is not like the event of past that fades into non-existence or that creates anxiety because it is no longer there. But rather hope in itself continues, endures, perseveres and enables us to do so in the gospel. And that is what character is. No doubt that Timothy's character had been proven through suffering and his commitment to selfless service for all the churches alongside Paul. It had been proven worth, observed. But what are the elements of this proven worth? From our passage, we observe two character traits that we ought to emulate ourselves. Firstly, Paul mentions that he knows no one else who will be genuinely concerned for the welfare of the local church. Genuinely concerned. In fact... All the others whom Paul seemed to, who, who Paul seemed to reference here served their own interests, Paul says. Now, Paul had already made mention of those who preached Christ out of selfish ambition. And now he writes that they all seek their own interests. This seemed to be a problem among the members in the church too. Since Paul wrote earlier in chapter 2 verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, good members ought to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of others within the congregation, whether that be their physical, emotional, or spiritual welfare, and to seek to put others in the congregation, whether that is uh, close friends or someone that you've just met, but put others before their own. Good members are to look out for one another. And if they are to look out for one another, they are to know one another. They are to know one another inside their homes. They are to visit one another. They are to spend time with each other. For how can you know what someone needs if you don't know the person? One of the greatest flaws that we have in our modern Christianity is the fact that we can drive so often from so far to local churches. And that means we come from different locations. And I know people who have driven 
half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour in my previous local church, and they find it very hard to be part of the community where the church is located. I tell you, dear friends, we have to make effort in this current world. In the old days, during this time, people would generally walk to church. And they, so they wouldn't go very far. There would be walkable distance, and they would walk along communities, and people would see them walking in a certain direction. It's just now in our 20th and 21st century since the invention of fast transportation that we have this problem, that we come from different communities. And so in our time, we need to make a greater effort to get to know one another in their homes, by traveling to their homes and inviting them into our homes. We really have to do well at going the extra mile in getting to know people. So this is one of the things that Timothy would have known these people. He would have spent time with them when he was among them. The church knows Timothy and he knows them personally. And as a result, he cares for their needs. Of course, we see these needs are in the gospel. And that's the second point I want to point out. Secondly, Paul writes, he has served with me in the gospel. The word here, served, can also be translated as slaved. And we know the metaphor very well. When my wife has worked tirelessly to prepare the Christmas breakfast, we say that she has slaved away in the kitchen. I don't know if that's maybe not so PC in the U.S., but that's what we say in South Africa, right? And the meaning, the metaphor is this, that she has worked her fingers to the bone. She was bound to her task in the kitchen for our enjoyment. That's what the metaphor is bringing across. Here, Paul says that Timothy was bound to his commitment to the local church for their good for their benefit, for their advancement. See, Paul uses the word in light of Timothy's constant work together with him in the gospel. It's not just a general care for people. It's a general care for their welfare in terms of their spiritual needs that, they need, to be, that need to be met. Timothy cares for them because he cares about the gospel and the truth thereof. He cares about the eternal destination He's not just worried about an event that's passing and fading, but he is concerned about the enduring faith of every single person in that church. That should be our concern too. But how do we do this? I think John F. Kennedy's famous phrase, ask not what America can do for you, but what you can do for America is very fitting and can be applied to the local church. We can say, ask not what the local church can do for you, but what you can do for the local church. When was the last time that you asked the leaders, what is there that I can do to further the gospel ministry in this church? What needs do you have? How can I assist you? See, a genuine concern for the local church doesn't just rest with merely attending and giving your finances, but it needs your time. So as you think about time, when you're planning your New Year's resolutions or your preparing your 2022 calendar and and you're thinking very carefully about how to allot your time in the upcoming year, have you thought about your church family and allotting time with them? Is that part of your calendar? Well, it has to be if you want to plan it wisely and you want to have an impact. Is there something that you can do that you are unaware of? Go to your leaders. What can I do? How can I serve? This will be a good place to start in the upcoming year. This was Timothy's attitude. 
So here are the two character traits we ought to cultivate among ourselves as members of this congregation. Genuine concern for one another and active serving the interests of Christ by participating in the ministry. That's our job as members. Get on and do it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've got a job. You've got a mandate. Do it. So, first point, those who serve the interests of Christ selflessly. Second point, deserve honor for their self-sacrifice. Verses 25 to 30. Paul here next turns to Epaphroditus. And this is one of their own, one of their own people, someone from their congregation. And he uses the military language to show the honor of self-sacrifice. Here is the motivation. Listen to how Paul describes Epaphroditus. My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and minister in my need. What a great way to describe someone. And then he says, who nearly died for the work of Christ. And then Paul urges the Philippians church in chapter 2 verse 29 to receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. You see, here he holds out the example, the paradigm, the minister in my need, fellow soldier who nearly died for the work of Christ. Receive him, honor such men. Hold him up as an example. That's what Paul's saying. Now what stands out about the character of Epaphroditus is Paul's constant mentioning of the illness that almost consumed him in his service to Christ. Listen, look at the passage again. Paul references his illness three times. He says, you were heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. And then Paul goes on to say, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. Now, what does Paul mean here? Well, in the ancient world, travel was dangerous. It's very safe in our modern world. You know, we hop on a plane, we get to the other side, and the only thing we're worried about now is the coronavirus. But in the ancient world, there were plenty of diseases, many life-threatening diseases that you would encounter on a ship on the many months of travel over the seas. It's a difficult time for travel. It was a difficult time. And Epaphroditus had contracted one of these diseases. That's very likely what happened. Now, what would have, should have happened is he should have gone back on the next available ship back home to recover. But he didn't. He persevered. He pressed on. He went to Paul because he realized that Paul had a great need. He served Paul in his hour of need. Why? Because Paul was in prison awaiting death row. And at this point in Paul's life, he needed someone to stand by him. He needed provision. And Epaphroditus risked his life to serve Paul. What strikes me about Epaphroditus, though, is the great honor that he was to receive upon returning home because of his self-sacrificial character. Epaphroditus risked his own life to serve Paul in the ministry because in the ancient world, governments didn't provide for their prisoners. So Epaphroditus did that on behalf of the church. And now Paul expects the church to honor this man when he returns. Like a soldier who returns home from a victorious battle, they are to receive him and welcome him just as they would a soldier who is victorious in his battle. Now, how are we to honor people in our congregation? You see, in our times now. We, we don't want to puff people up with pride, right? That's what we're so afraid of doing. 
honor people, lift them up as examples in the congregation. We are afraid that we're going to um, you know, bolster their pride, so we don't want to do that. And, and most of us shy away from the public limelight, and we don't want to be honored or spoken of. But in fact, Paul says that we are to take people who are outstanding examples in the Christian faith, and we are to honor them in this way. We are to make them known in the congregation. Why? Because they are examples to every single one of us and how to conduct our lives. This is a discipleship emphasis. Paul's not saying puff him up with pride or have a great ceremony for him like the military generals did when they returned to Philippi from a great battle and all the pomp and pride that went with that. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is going to point to in chapter 3 verse 17 is the imitation we are to have of fellow believers who walk according to the example we have in Christ. We are to imitate people like this. And so when Paul says we are to honor such men, he means that we are to hold them up and out so that there are young believers that could be discipled by such such people. We are to speak of them and we are to reference them. And why? So that we and the whole church can be built up in the faith of the gospel. So you see, friends, here we are to recognize that honoring men when they are very faithful in their service to the, to the gospel in the local church is a good thing. They deserve honor for their self-sacrifice. And so we are to follow and imitate uh, such people. And this is why we get to the three, third point, and the most important one, because they model what enduring faith looks like. Friends, this is the point of Paul's epistle. He wants to give you examples of what enduring faith looks like. See, that's the big question we've got to ask ourselves. What is the secret to enduring Christian commitment? How do we persevere? And when we look at the common thread between Timothy and Epaphroditus, Paul mentions that their selfless service in verse 22 and their self-sacrifice in verse 30 was for the interests of Jesus Christ and for the work of Christ. This was their goal in life. This was their purpose in life. We've had a lot of reflection on the coming of Jesus into the world during this festive season. This is the purpose of Christmas, to reflect on his incarnation, to think of his coming into the world, to reflect on that baby that was born in a stable. And what a wonderful time it is. It's a sweet time. It's a, it's a nostalgic time for many of us. Um, but we can't just leave it in the realm of nostalgia. We can't just have the secular world out there is all celebrating at little mangers everywhere and enjoying the picture of it, this little baby. I mean, who doesn't like babies, right? Well, I sometimes say to my wife, we've had enough of babies, right, for now. But, but the honesty, such an innocent and beautiful little picture and such a, you know, such, such, such a humble picture of God becoming flesh. Of course, everyone enjoys that picture. But Jesus is going to grow up to be a man. And that man is going to go to a cross. He's got a purpose with his life. He's got a goal with his life. And his goal is for the salvation of many. That's why he came. And you know what? He's going to stand up in a world that hates that message. And he's going to die for a world that hates that message. Wow, we looked at that last week. For men love the darkness. Now, in this dark world, Jesus hands to his disciples to carry on this mandate. 
And we have these examples in people. And here we have two examples, Epaphroditus and Timothy. And they show us here by their lives, their selfless service, their self-sacrifice, what it means to endure in the Christian faith. How do you walk according to this pattern? How do you continue this narrative that we've just shared during this season into 2022 and beyond? Christians, we are to endure. I know so many people that Christmas has come and gone, they forget it. The next thing is the big party on New Year's Eve, right? We move from one great moment where everyone goes to church to the great next moment where there's so much sin and so much um, indulgence in worldly activity, the very next thing, just a week apart. When the call of Christmas is, hey, there is sin in this world that needs to be atoned for. That's the point that Jesus came for. But we forget about that so quickly. On to the next thing. We are to remember that the coming of Jesus was for the sacrifice of sin. And the coming of, his, 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 of Jesus into the world and his sacrifice for sin and his pouring out of the Holy Spirit is so that we will endure in holiness to the end. And this is where Paul's going to get into in this passage. He's holding these two men up so that they would shine lights to what it looks like to, com- to continue this life of faith. Amidst the many people that deserted Paul, Epaphroditus and Timothy shows what commitment to the gospel is. So here are some of the key things that we've got to think about. Paul, Paul uses this, uh, calls Christians to endure right throughout this passage, right throughout this book of Philippians. We see this in chapter 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got a job to do. Go and do it. Chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Do all things without grumbling, holding fast to the word of life. Chapter 3, verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And then Paul encourages chapter 3, verse 17. Join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. It's all about persevering, all about continuing, all about taking this gospel message and living it out right throughout your life. Continuing. Don't be slack in your commitment. Don't be slack in your following. Look at those who are enduring and follow them, imitate them. This is Paul's emphasis. And the reason is because we're not spectators. We're participants. Christian. Do you treat your faith as a spectator faith? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Are you looking on at this beautiful scene of the baby in the manger and you're spectating it and it's bringing wonderful feelings of joy and excitement for all the wrong reasons? Or do you see that as a reminder of the mandate you have received? That you've been called out of darkness and been transferred into the kingdom of light to shine your light in this dark world. That's your job. That's what you've got to do in 2022. That's what you've got to move on from here. It doesn't just stop here when Christmas ends. It continues. You take this day that we celebrated yesterday with all the beauty and the presents and the trees and the lack of snow, but you know, we could have had a white Christmas, but you know, all of the beauty of it, the hallmark moments, but you have to remember the essence of this. This baby will die for you. This innocent baby will grow up and die a death that you cannot die. And that's the hard reality of this hallmark moment when we see the baby in the manger. When Mary saw that baby, her heart was pierced because she knew what he was going to do. I remember that great passage where she's looking on 
at the cross and she is in sorrow because she's seeing her son carrying the weight of the sins of the world. She remembers that baby. Friends, now we are called to carry on, persevere, take the season with us into the rest of the year, live it out. Easter is coming, but continue to shine your lights. How do we do this, dear friends? Well, here's a few examples from the book of Philippians that we can learn. Firstly, be active Christians, not passive churchgoers. That's the point of Christmas, to turn you into an active participant in the story and narrative that Jesus came into this world. Philippians 1 verse 37, Paul was confident that God was at work among them. Why? Because of the active participation in the gospel. 1 verse 27 to 30, Paul urges them to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Active participation in the work of the gospel. Get involved in your local church. Right now we have a lot of need, a lot of open areas, right? Get involved. And those that have been tirelessly serving, hold them up. Look at them. Encourage them. Thank them. Follow them. Imitate them. Secondly, Grow in your knowledge through God, through the Holy Scriptures. Grow in your knowledge. Paul prays in chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, that Philippians' love for one another may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment. Pursue thinking, good thinking, gospel thinking, by reading good literature, listening to good sermons, attending the public means of grace, coming to church regularly, attend the prayer meetings, meet with one another in your homes, pray together. You know, I was so encouraged during this season. This has been a difficult season for many. But I heard of a group of young women getting together and praying. Just praying. What encouragement that is. An example that is to all of us. You know, people getting together and praying. This is the time that we need one another to draw close together and encourage one another. Read good books, get a good biography, listen to good sermons. And then Thirdly, serve one another in humility. Friends, this is so key throughout the entire epistle. This is exactly what the observation of Christ's humiliation during the season is to encourage us to do, to be like Christ. Have this mind among yourselves that is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul said. And what is that? He goes on to the incarnation, this Christmas theme, that Jesus humbled himself. Not just by becoming a baby that's going to go to Easter, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we have to have that mind. And this is the mind that Timothy and Epaphroditus had. Self-sacrifice. Selfless service. This is what Jesus was. This is what we are to be and called to be. So perhaps in concluding, I can ask you, what is your resolution for 2022? I'm sure you have many. I'm sure you have plans. Perhaps not even thinking about it yet. Putting it off until Monday morning. But I want you to have just add one thing to that list and that is to pick up a good Christian biography next year and read it. There are many available to you. Perhaps if you don't know where to start I can encourage you to listen to John Piper's Biographies is on his website, Desiring God. He has many good biographies. He does one every year for a pastor's conference. 
That is an excellent place to start for good Christian biographies to motivate you in your own Christian faith. It's a good place to start. Read a good biography. But secondly, devote in your schedule time to God's people. Think about the time you will spend next year. And when you're planning your calendar, think very realistically as well as very purposefully about time with God's people. Jot it down. Go to your leaders. How can I serve here? What can I do? Meet with one another. Schedule dates and times on the calendar. Ahead even. One month out, two months out. Let's get together on this day. Put it in the calendar. Don't just say it. I know that's what we'd like to do. Oh, we've got to get together at some point. I say it all the time. I'm guilty of that. But until you schedule it, it's never going to happen. Schedule it. Encourage one another. Follow one another. Imitate. Because this is the examples we have here in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Selfless service in the gospel. Self-sacrificial living. And these are the secrets to enduring Christian commitment. Let us pray. Father, grant us this day by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll help us to think very clearly about this season that we've just endured and just enjoyed with all of our family and friends and the children and the the beauty of it and the mystery of it. But now as we plan the next thing, as we move on to the next thing, to think about what our commitments to one another are. I pray that we'll plan out your well so that we can get to the end of next year and say, another year like this. Let's do it. In Jesus' name, amen.